This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, you guys know the drill. Tuesday, you get to. You get your PFF show. You get Twitter Tuesdays. He and Pete Smith will sit down. And we'll got us to get a little bit more here as Pete, uh, una- unavailable last night as the Streetsboro crew celebrating. Fantastic run for them. Uh, thanks again, uh, Jared Mueller, for popping on in here. Uh, you know, obviously gains and all to a bunch of other stuff uh, from SI.com's Brown Maven, Browns Maven, Pete Smith, Jeff Lloyd, your local experts on the biggest stories Cleveland Browns-wise for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Pete, like I said, we weren't able to get to you last night. Um, so impressions, and, you know, I, I, I don't – the one thing and I mentioned this with John is I don't understand where everybody's just getting so upset. I mean, even good teams, if you're going to win 10, 11 games, there's going to be days where it just ain't freaking pretty, but you got to get a W and that's kind of what yesterday was. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, the bottom line is you are a team that is trying to stay alive in the playoffs, even if it is hanging by, a thread, um, and the only way to further that hope is to win, and they did that. And obviously, uh, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that they wish they would have done certain things better. Um, I don't think Baker Mayfield played particularly well, especially when he's trying to throw to Odell Beckham. Um, that's not exactly positive. Um, there were some other issues with it, but you know, it's one of those things where what is the goal here? The goal is to win. They did that. They move on. Uh, I think some of the unhappiness is basically with all the the noise that's going around on the team. I don't think that's unfair. Uh, It's reasonable to be frustrated with that. Uh, And there's definitely things you wish this team was doing better, you know, at this point in the season that they aren't, but, they again they accomplished the goal and and you're always going to take an ugly win over a pretty loss so uh, you move on from that standpoint uh you just you've got to find a way to get through and you know it's you know it's survive in advance you know it's pretty much what you're playing with here but you know i just I, i just don't get it there were some rumblings pete that you know there was time on the clock at the end of the first half and it looked pretty much in disarray on the sidelines, whether or not Freddie was trying to have Prefer call a timeout, whatever the plan was there or whatever. But after what everybody complained about the week before in Pittsburgh, what are you doing? There's barely any time left. What are you doing? You almost got Baker killed. Kill him, fire him. Freddie's got a 14-13 lead. He's getting the ball in the second half. If Cincinnati's content with letting the clock running out with, what, 30 seconds left? what? So should Freddie. All right, I get the ball. Let's go. Right. I mean, look, the, the again, it, it comes down to uh, the fact that it was the Bengals. They didn't look particularly pretty. Uh, their offense had issues. Obviously, the, the interception that was turned into an interception, despite the fact it was called on the field relatively impossibly as a fumble. Um, and, you know, they, they didn't have – I think the biggest frustration may have been simply the fact that they didn't have the ball in the first half. They only had eight possessions in the whole game, and I think they ran 23 plays in the first half. And they, uh, you know, it was 
they were able to move the ball, but it wasn't pretty. In fact, they had like uh, I think 400, 400 total yards for the game. It just wasn't smooth, and that's uh, something I, I, I can certainly sympathize with that it wasn't. Uh, and there were certain things that just weren't performing as well as they should. Uh, but you did what you needed to do, and you were able to win. You were able to get that big play out of Denzel Ward. Uh, it, obviously, we've been calling how, for it. It, it. it took a while, but we've been calling for it. Yeah, it, it, and it was frustrating to see Andy Dalton and that offense move the ball so easily on the Browns at points. But again, you know, I, I think in some ways expectations are are to blame with this type of stuff. But look, it's the worst team in the league by record, even if it is a division opponent, and you want to put those teams away more convincingly. And uh, that's, uh, you know, I, I don't think, I think it's one of those you put behind you, but it's one of those things where there's plenty to coach from. Um, and look, this is a new version of the Browns, but Andy Dalton has seen some of these guys for a while. And when you eliminate what is, what was supposed to be basically the calling card of this defense, in Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon and being able to supply consistent pass rush. You look at the two games last year, hell, I think what uh, the one game in Cincinnati last year, Miles had 12 hurries himself, 12, which is a ridiculous number. You eliminate these two guys, you know, you can hold up, but a veteran like Andy Dalton, he's just going to take what you give him. And if there is no pass rush really coming, it's, it's what you get and what you got yesterday. Sheldon Richardson, though, you know, man up right now. Guy has literally put that defensive line on his back and said, let's go, follow me, boys. And John Costco told us on the PFF episode, since the bye, he is the fourth rated, he's the fourth highest graded defensive tackle since the bye. And largely the only reason he's fourth is due to a poor week against Pittsburgh last week. So they're picking it up in that area. I do think the one thing that was impressive, Pete, from the defense was the fact that it, it, they played with that bend, don't break. They get, Look, you, you're not getting in the end zone other than the mix. We're not letting you score. You can kick field goals all you freaking want. You're not scoring touchdowns, and they were able to man up really well in those situations. Yeah, uh, look, I, I, again, I, I continue to harp on the fact that I think Steve Wilkes is doing a tremendous job, uh, especially in uh, with the amount of players he's lost. Um, due to injuries and, and suspensions and those other things. Uh, Sheldrick Rewind, for example, played that X position. Uh, it, you know, it was basically him or Taki Taki on the field. And based by what the Bengals were doing, Taki Taki was only on the field for five plays. Uh, Sheldrick Redwine was on, on the field for 65. I thought he, he, he did really well in that role. Uh, you know, this is a situation where you're playing a ton of rookies. You've got guys like Porter Gustin in there. You've got Greedy Williams, who's still struggling. You've got uh, Mac Wilson in there, and you're you're able to put together a, a defense that does enough. It's not pretty. There are certainly issues, uh, but a lot of it's more to do with personnel as opposed to strategy, which is what you want from from your defensive coordinator. So it's not, you know, it's it's not what you want to see. You want to see you know pressure on Andy Dalton. You want to see big plays being made and all those, and you want to see just you know progress but it's tough because you you have hemorrhaged so much your roster for various reasons and Steve Wilkes is doing the best he can and I think he's actually doing really well for himself 
uh, and look, and a lot of it, and we go back to this with Steve Wilkes is the issue is you got to remember this offense was supposed to be advertised as going to be top five, you know, that good. So, you know, this defense, well, it was kind of a work in progress, but then you keep in mind that they lost two of their three starting safeties. They lost one of their linebackers for the season. They lost now, uh, you know, both of their DNs. I don't know where Olivier Vernon's going to be in, in this mix. I, I'm really not sure. And if it was the point where he had to wear that nasty ass bulky brace to try to gut it out and help you in Pittsburgh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not positive you see Olivier again this year. And then you go back to weeks like LA where it's okay, here's an entire second string secondary. If you think Wilkes is the problem right now, I, I just can't see it. I don't agree with it. I think each week it's almost like it's a new D, it's a new system, it's new players, and he's done a really good job with it. And Porter Gustin is another one now. You're talking about a guy who, look, when Porter Gustin and Brian Cox Jr. are grading significantly better than your second-year player who was a third-round pick, you realize that some of these things aren't hitting so well. So, look, it's great to go get these guys in the mix, and they're doing things, and they're contributing or Olivier Vernon-ish doing their assignment, it's key. It's what you need. And look, any defensive coordinator is going to say, look, just do your job. I mean, you know, if, you know, everybody understands their stars who are just ridiculously better than everybody else, like Miles Garrett, and, you know, he's going to go get his. But, you know, if you ain't that elite of elite, you better be doing your job. And that's kind of the guys that front offices, coaches, they tend to to want to keep around and maybe we're seeing this and you know it's it's one of the things that happens when you get yourself in a tough situation like they did with losing both these dns you know you go out you look for some different guys who for one reason or another didn't get the opportunity yet but they kind of are um pete's going to hit you with some stuff uh from the fine folks over at blue chew we'll get to the odell situation um certain former green bay coach we'll get to all that more here on Twitter Tuesday on Locked On Browns. Yeah, uh, it's the folks at Blue Chew, blue like the color blue, blue like the uh, color of the Giants and the temperament of the Giants fan base as they uh, dragged Eli Manning out to another game in what has been a disastrous season for them. Uh, Blue Chew has the same active, same active proven active ingredient as uh, products like Viagra and Cialis. It's chewable and can work up to twice as fast as a pill. You can take it up at a full stomach and be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Getting a prescription is easy and shipping is discreet. Uh, plug in the uh, promo code locked on and uh, they can help you out so you can uh, do right by the spouse or she can, they can do right by you. And look, we told you, um, you know, a couple of wins here, four and one over the last five. But as I said last night, uh, you know, those bills are going to start to show in from Christmas. So, uh, you know, that type of blue may lead to some blue chew when it's time to answer the bell. Now, Pete, honestly, we probably, if you were available last night, we could have probably done two because we could have done the post game and we could have gone all over this stuff. You know, look, not dissing Jay Glazer in any way whatsoever. Jay Glazer put something out. It definitely, you know, there's some heat to it. You think about it, it in no way, shape or form trying to discredit that at all. Obviously, this is Odell's in a terrible situation, uh, hurt, and it's just not working offensively. Um, and one of the reasons this offense is not what it was supposed to be is due to Odell and, you know, the injury. 
Um, we'll get to Baker's part in this as well. But Pete, you know, for anybody in look, I love y'all, but you know, getting rid of Odell ain't the answer. Getting Odell right is the answer. And the other thing is with this wide receiver class that's about to come through here for the 2020 draft. And with the fact that, you know, through injuries, this one, the broken ankle, and everything that Odell's been through, what they gave up for him, Pete, ain't nearly close to what anybody would be looking to acquire Odell for. So the key here is get this right, get everybody on the same page. I do think it's also part of an indictment of Odell thinks maybe a lot of this is a shit show right now, which probably is true but getting getting rid of it ain't, ain't ain't the solution getting it right is the solution well I, I think um i think odell beckham's frustration is largely due to the the uh sports hernia if that is indeed what it is i i assume it is uh he, uh, I, I, you know, I think all the reports are true, and I mean all of them. Uh, but I, I also think it's a case of uh, he is frustrated because he believes, as as uh, a receiver of his caliber is, is likely to believe, that despite the fact he's dealing with this, he still feels he's the superstar he always is, and as a result, uh, wants to get the ball the same way and thinks he can impact the game the same way. And when he doesn't, even if the organization, right, I think uh, if they were winning, it would be different. But the fact that they weren't, especially when the timing with the timing of the reports being in October, uh, when they were, you know, heading towards two and six, uh, that, you know, likely created an opportunity where he's sort of looking at this and, and, and being frustrated and saying, come and get me at the same time. Uh, I think, he was entirely honest when he said he doesn't want to be anywhere else because I think in that scenario, he's in a very sober environment, uh, thinking about it, what he's saying and, and isn't, you know, caught in the heat of the moment or whatever, uh, that he doesn't want to be anywhere else. I think he understands that if he forces his way out, uh, he, he, it's not going to become, you know, an unfair question of if, if he's a prima donna or if he's difficult. It, like, it will have been earned at that point. I don't think he wants that as much as he may want other things. Uh, whether it's an indictment of the offense and the organization, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, if, if nothing else, you can say that it's been pretty impressive that this was kept under wraps this long. And, uh, you know, in previous years, it wouldn't have been. So they managed to make it all the way to December without this coming out. And that's from the injury to the issues uh, he has with the offense. But again, I feel like a lot of this stuff is sort of old uh, and it's all coming out now with with the timing of everything else. And what he said in October is not necessarily reflective of what he thinks now. And again, I think it's more of a a matter of being frustrated and, 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 feeling like he's sort of stuck with everything that's going on. I don't think you get better with trading Odell Beckham. Now, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that someone will, that, that Dorsey will be able to get maybe a, a good return on it. I, I don't think it's likely, but, you know, I didn't expect what he got from Duke Johnson either. Having said that, if you do give up on Beckham and you trade him, even if it's for a better return than you paid for him, it still represents a step backward or at least a step sideways and not progress, which 
given the circumstances of the rookie contracts of Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett and others, that would represent failure. I also believe that that was the signature move of John Dorsey's tenure. So if you then get rid of him, which would suggest you weren't prepared for what you knew, you had to do the homework on to understand what you were getting, that you have essentially given up the main reason, your, the main move of your entire tenure. More than Baker Mayfield, more than Denzel Ward, more than Nick Chubb, the move to get Odell Beckham was the move. And if you, you, you bail on that, there's just not much there in terms of what Dorsey has done. I think it's – first, I, I think it's all going to end up being a little bit overblown. I think they will get this worked out. But for the people who are like, you know, let's go ahead and get rid of him. He's too much, more of a headache than he's worth. Again, from Dorsey's standpoint, I think he's as invested as anybody on making sure this works because you get rid of him. It feeds into a psyche that people have in terms of how they feel about Cleveland and, and the market size and all that stuff. You acknowledge that you basically screwed up royally in making this move. It didn't produce. It didn't work. Uh, and at that point, you, you, you know, Dorsey essentially would be putting his head on the chopping block for, for all these things. And I don't think he's ready to do that. Well, and for me, look, you know, I, I believe the legitimacy of the injury and it makes sense. Obviously, you know, it was time missed in camp, not playing in the preseason. And I think this is where Baker comes in. And, you know, look, Baker is going to do this. Baker is going to jump to defend his guys. And he'll always be that quarterback where you put it on me. So maybe they knew what was going on in August. And that's when you go to the player. Hey, do you think you can put it off? Do you think you can play through it? Look, the first half of the schedule is really, really difficult, Odell. Uh, so by the time you're right, this shit could have sailed on, on the 2019 season. Odell, to his credit, gets out there, does a little bit each day, goes out and practices on Friday, ready to go for games. Whether he's totally ready, you know, to be the Odell Beckham Jr. that he is or not, probably not. But he's there week in, week out. Here you are. You're at two and six. Odell, and it was the New England game. Guys, we knew this. This is where that should have been that hint. There was the, you know, the tweet from Josina Anderson, you know, from Odell Beckham. I pray my groin doesn't fall apart today. That was before the New England game. So gave it up trying to get through that first half of the schedule because it was tough. Now we're two and six. And maybe that explains, you know, whatever was said on, you know, some fields during warmups during October games. You know, he tried and, you know, Baker, to his credit, always going to have each other's back. There's things you can't can say and things you can't say he probably shouldn't have. And that's why you get the apology afterwards. But you, you can kind of see where the organization tried to work him into this. But you do also understand it from the player. Hey, it's my body. Look, so, you know, if he – if it ends up he gets the surgery and he always needed the surgery, it's a tough call. It's a tough situation. But it also understands how you get a frustrated player. Uh, so here's what I believe on that. I believe that the – the, he didn't want to have the surgery. I believe the organization didn't want him to have the surgery. Uh, I think basically he, he thought he could tough it out and get through it. And clearly he can to some extent. He may be compromised, but he could clearly be effective. And I think the organization didn't want him to get it either. And, and my cynical reaction to that is because they were worried about tickets. 
they didn't want to have to have this dude on injured, uh, you know, on the injured list. Their first two weeks when he was the big star, he was marketed as this big thing, and have him not be out there now. Prime times are coming to our building. We got big games coming. You are one of the reasons it's coming. Just like Odell said, why do you think the Giants were always on so many prime time games? Yeah, so uh, you know that that, that I, I don't know who makes the final call on that, but clearly. But Beckham has control of his own body. At the end of the day, he could have gotten the surgery if he wanted it. He could have gotten a second opinion if he wanted it. There's no indication of either of those things. Uh, but at the same time, I certainly understand Baker Mayfield's frustration, even if it was inappropriate in how he handled it, that, you know, you, you believe he could have gotten it taken care of and been back. I doubt it would have been quite as quick as his timeline suggests, but yeah, that doesn't really matter. Have, you know, but again, I, I do think that, is frustrating. Look, it, it, but, but, you know, having talked to players who, who have dealt with that, it's hell. I mean, you, you know, it's the type of thing where you sneeze and you're, you're down to a knee. So imagine running at that full speed. Obviously, Tommy, Tavier Thomas gutted through that last year uh, on special teams, and, you know, that was brutal. Uh, it's, it's, it's not something you want to have to deal with, and, and this is something that knocks people out with you know, that have a normal, you know, a, a normal life, you know, it, it can can say it's like the worst thing they've ever dealt with. And this is a guy who's, who has to run and cut and all these things. So every step he's taking has to hurt like hell. So, you know, it, it's natural to be frustrated. I think it is less uh, dire a situation that's being por- portrayed, but I don't think there's anything, you know, it was untoward about how it's been covered or the questions that have been asked. It's just sort of there. Uh, and the last thing for me here on this Odell thing and this part of it is, um, guys, the, the, the point of managing the roster is to eliminate holes. So now, you know, we talk about the safety position. We talk about, you know, where there might need some D-line help. You might need – some help, you know, obviously you need tackle help and all that. And, but you move on from Odell, what's left besides Jarvis? Uh, Rashard Higgins, ain't no way in hell he's going to be here. Antonio Callaway has flamed out. You're to the point yesterday where Ratley and Hodge, I think, cornered almost 30 reps between the two of them. You're going to need two to three wide receivers. You move on from Odell Beckham. Uh, so everybody wants to say, oh, well, John can't fix it all in one offseason. Well, then don't create more holes. It's kind of as simple as that with some of this stuff. And uh, actually, just one thing here before we roll on over to the other part. Pete, uh, Kendall Lamb, um, pass pro was good. Run wasn't so much. Significant upgrade. And this should probably maybe continue for the next three weeks. And the biggest key here is we talk about it all the time, Pete. You're looking for ways to save money. So maybe two tackles doesn't become the huge priority it is if Lamb shows well over the next couple of, you know, to close it out. Obviously, you're still going to draft a couple of tackles. Teller continuing to improve. There were there were numbers equal to Joel Botonio yesterday. This is what we used to get with, with Kevin Zeitler being here. So it's it's good. Maybe you're finding a way to save some money. Maybe you're finding a way to upgrade but I think Lamb, I don't care if Hubbard's better or not. I think Lamb's in, in line for another start. Um, 
it really becomes a burden to be this good. I mean, if we're honest, um, I said before the season, Spider-Man meme. When you saw Lamb's grades, Spider-Man with every tackle that was in that room. Granted, he had a rough injury early. Uh, I, I said in the straighter competition, I thought Kendall Lamb could beat out Chris Hubbard. I still believe that. Uh, he's the, basically the same thing. He's not a good run blocker. He's a very effective pass blocker, uh, which is what he was with Houston. He's just bigger. He, he's a little bit more stout, but the money wasn't there. Uh, as for Wyatt Teller, again, you know, I, I think that's going to be an answer. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's continuing. Uh, it needs to continue developing. It's the run game, run blocking has got to get better. Uh, but again, and before the season, I thought there was a real possibility that Kendall Lamb would essentially inherit that right tackle job for you. Having said that, I still don't look at that as a solution. I, I, I still think that is a stopgap, and it's still something you have to address more permanently. But this is why you brought Kendall Lamb in, and I gave Dorsey an immense amount of credit for it. It sucked that, you know, Greg Robinson gets himself ejected, and then he goes in there and basically, you know, twists his knee up. Uh, on the first blade of grass he finds. But again, I, I, I think uh, Kendall Lamb is better than Chris Hubbard. I think he's better for the re- remaining three weeks. I think Chris Hubbard is screwed anyway. So I don't see any point in putting him out there. Um, if you want to evaluate uh, Lamb, since he's under contract for next year, as you're clearly evaluating some of these other guys, like the receiver position, uh, that looked entirely like an audition yesterday between a couple guys. Uh, you know, let's go ahead and roll with it. I don't know what Hubbard is actually de- dealing with or how debilitated he is with it. I just know the product on the field sucks, and Kendall Lamb was at least functional. Whether, you know, anyone, whether he was good enough, I, I can say this, the quarterback wasn't getting drilled from the right side. It was stuff on the left, and or I should say it was situations where tight ends were solo blocking uh, pass rushers like Carl Carlos Dunn, <laughs> Carl Lawson. Um, that didn't work terribly effectively, but I thought Kendall Lamb was stabilizing, and that's all I'm really interested at this point is I, I think Baker Mayfield needs to play a lot better. I think he needs to stop trying to focus, or I should say force balls to, to, to Beckham. I think a lot of them are late. Uh, you know, I, I think he threw him into uh, in, in man zone hit yesterday with the, where he put him in the air with in three guys, and he didn't need to. Uh, I think he needs to play better, but in order, you know, it starts with being able to at least keep him upright. And the, the group they had out there yesterday could do it. Now, again, it's the Cincinnati Bengals, and they're, they're not very good, so it's not like you want to sit here and go, well, well look at how great this offensive line was against the Bengals. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, when, when you're heading into uh, a game against Arizona and you've got a guy like Chandler, Chandler Jones, who's a phenomenal pass rusher, you want the best guys out there uh, that you can to make sure that Baker Mayfield can – can do something. Not only do they are, again, they're competing to stay alive for the playoffs so long as that's reasonable, but they might as well take advantage of the opportunity to sort of evaluate Lamb. And he, he may just be the swing tackle next year, but you might as well see what he can do uh, so long as he's better at protecting Baker Mayfield in the here and now, which seems to be the case. Look, if he's, if he's the better player, that's who should play. It, it, you know, it's, it's not about anything else. And, you know, if it was to the point that, you know, if Austin Corbett was still here and he were playing well, it's it doesn't matter. If you were the better player, you should be the one who's playing. Kendall Lamb, granted, it was one start against Cincinnati. 
And now Hubbard's got enough of a track record with starting almost 10 games in Pittsburgh and now starting for the amount of, starting for the amount of time he did here in Cleveland. We, they've got his number and it's get in the numbers and guess what? You're only 290 and change and he's getting bowled over by a lot of dudes and he goes on his skates and it's look, I mean, they know he's not coming back. You might as well see what you have in this guy and, you know, play that hand and play the hot hand. It's just the way you got to do it. And it's just smart. And regardless of the sport, you play the hot hand. We'll get to a certain former Green Bay Packer head coach just in a bit here on Lothan Browns. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory phones for a quality quality sleep surface for the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 off towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL and use the promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-N-F-L, all caps, at checkout. Terms and conditions may apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from all the fabulous Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Pete, you want to talk about a video, a segment, something about a guy who's trying to improve his craft, taking his year off, trying to get back into the league. And, you know, we always talk about you don't know what you don't know. And it seems like Mike McCarthy's taking a huge step in that respect. Regardless of what your thoughts are, on Freddie and look, you know, you we we've expressed this, guys. We don't want to tear it down and start over. We like the staff that's here. Uh, there's times where Freddie looks better, looks confident. There's time where Freddie, I just wish he would just let the calls and the officiating of the game go. At times, I think he gets way too tied up in that. But Mike McCarthy is part of winning a Lombardi Trophy. And now he's out there with this little one-year camp he's done with some assistant coaches and some established guys. It 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 makes it really tough for Freddie when there's a guy like this out there. Uh, so, you know, John Gruden did something like this. It's very smart. Uh, look, I mean, that was part of the criticism Mike McCarthy had when he was with the Packers. Is, is uh, it felt like his playbook was old. Uh, you know, that it hadn't been updated. So, you know, what's what's the best thing you can do uh, other than taking a year off, which is smart uh, in general. It's good for most guys benefit from that year to sort of gather themselves. It's a grind, obviously, to do this. Uh, You know, and some guys try to rush in and, 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 you know, get right back in there and that can work. But it really does seem to have a benefit for guys like uh, what Mike McCarthy did. And he used that time to sort of, you know, take that time and really figure out what you need to do to evolve with the league. That's just smart. Like that's what you should hope any coach is doing uh, with your team. So whether you love Mike McCarthy or not, um, that's what you would hope he, uh, a guy would be doing that you, you'd potentially be interested in. And I think if Mike McCarthy's – if they do decide to move on from Freddie Kitchens, I think Mike McCarthy is the top of the list. I don't think there's really a second choice. In fact, I think 
the only way they'd likely move on to Freddie Kitchens would not involve a coaching search of any kind. It would be a pre-done deal where you know exactly who you're hiring, and then you're basically bringing them in because I don't think John Dorsey can afford a real coaching search because he can't put himself in a position where he could, you know, get to a point where he, he's not sure about who he's hiring. The only way he's going to move on from Kitchens, uh, to me, is if he's got the sure thing hired, whether that's McCarthy or someone else. Um, but I, I'm all for, you know, whether it's with the Browns or anywhere, I think it's just prudent uh, and smart business by McCarthy uh, as he's getting prepared, you know, in addition to everything else, is obviously putting, making it very clear uh, that he's back out there. I don't know, you know, if he, if, if people, have been, teams have been talking to him or not. I expect they probably, somebody's probably been back channeling already. But nevertheless, that's what you want any coach to do, whether they're yours or uh, not, whether they're they have a team already or not. This is how to get better. And your your guy with McCarthy's resume that that would make me excited for if I was a team that was interested in because that was the entire knock on him. I I still have concerns about his uh, coaching staff, but in general, I I think it's nothing but good that he would be going this route. Uh, And and the thing for me was, you know, and and part of, you know, that video was, you know, talking about, you know, it it was Joe Montana and the feet work and footwork and, you know, Aaron Rodgers, the first time they videotaped it and, and you look and you look at Baker and, Baker, Joe Montana, I ain't trying to compare them, but you see some types of similarities and it's, you know, it definitely makes you, hmm. And you, you know, you, it's, it's, it's something that's going to be visited. Um, Most likely it's going to be visited in a way that nobody knows. Um, Because if it turns out Mike ain't interested, that changes everything. If Mike is really interested, I do agree with you. It's, you know, we've decided to move on from Freddie Kitchens. And after they do their Rooney rule, which minorities hate, they just, you know, they hire me because you think I'm good enough for the job. Don't hire, don't bring me in for an interview because you have to. But it could be, uh, you know, Freddie's gone Black Monday, Thursday. Here's the Mike McCarthy press conference. If it's going to be that way, it's going to go quick, quick, and it's going to go extremely quick. It, it brings up it, – it's an interesting scenario, and it's – for Freddie, it's tough because, you know, Mike's got a much longer resume, and it, it, it's a tough spot if it comes down to it because Freddie really can't compete in that fight, and it sucks for him. And Pete and I, we've talked about this. You guys know we'd rather just run it back, run it back with a couple more pieces here, correct pieces. Let's not create any more freaking holes because, you know, whether you think there's holes or not, there are, there's holes, there's legit holes. And also part of it is, is with the way this has worked out here is you were getting some guys getting some quality run, whether or not you're penciling them in to be 2020 starters, that doesn't matter. Um, If they're 2020 reserves with experience, that does. So that's, that's key. That's big. That's huge. Pete, uh, NFL-wise, Browns-wise, anything we haven't gotten here, what's Pete Smith got to get off his chest? Uh, I don't think anything has happened that uh, 
is all that notable to me anyway. Okay, that's fine. We always give you the opportunity. Latest over at Browns Maven, my brother. Uh, I mean, obviously covering fallout from, I mean, the game itself, fallout from it with all the stuff that's going on. It's so de- uh, It's so terrible. You got to say fallout, for God's sakes. And the Browns have just won four out of five and four straight at home. But go ahead. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, I, I wrote something basically that this season is not fun and this team is largely unlikable based on what they've been doing. I think that's a, 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 a default of the entire organization, as well. uh, and that's not great. It's not unfixable by any stretch, but this is, you know, this is supposed to be a fun season, and it has not been at all. Um, but yeah, the fallout from yesterday, questions that came up today, all that good stuff. All right, uh, guys, you know where to check everything out. You can check it out at Browns Maven on social media. Browns Maven. I can find all the work over on si.com. Just search Browns, click on Browns, find everything Pete and his guys got going on over there. Uh, make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore the show itself at Locked On Browns. Always a follow back account. DMs are always open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open. Uh, appreciate everybody. Um, look, guys, look, still in the hunt. Yesterday was a win. Let's just ride it. Enjoy it. You know, you've got, you know, the trip obviously out to Arizona. Week 16, Baltimore comes to town. It certainly ain't going to be easy. Um, some of the key players that you need probably ain't going to be available. But you're doing your best here. You you know, nine and seven is a dream. Eight and eight's probably a reality. It is what it is. But finish this year strong. Uh, it's It's not as bad as people are trying to make it out today. On social media, oh, so you only won by eight over the Bengals. Look, uh, you know, division games usually are a little tougher. You got to hang a little tougher. Uh, but the point is, is, you know, you put out a C-minus effort, and it was still good enough to get the W. That's okay. It's okay because some games just work that way, go that way. And a lot of days, Baker Mayfield is not going to be 11 for 24 with no touchdowns and, you know, two interceptions, technically three. Um, well, Pete, that was the last one there. How about the officials? How about getting that drive to go the way it did, the way it's gone all this year? You get the overturn on the DPI. They ignore the offensive pass interference on the Jarvis Landry on the screen. That was that was just like one of those, okay, well, wow, never saw this coming. Well, I feel like Zach Taylor was not, I mean, as much as he was allegedly upset of the refs, Probably wasn't that upset at the refs. Um, you know, I think he was happy to go down fighting as opposed to winning. Now, I, I, I think. Whipping out his cell phone, making sure he knew what time the Heisman presentation was on Saturday. I, you know, some of the play calling they did in the red zone was a little suspect. Uh, but, I, you know, it, again. Look, you mean it, the second QB draw to Andy Dalton on the same drive? Yeah, I think that was called QB Burrow, but uh, I think as much as it wasn't pretty, as much as it required some weirdness to go, I am glad they persevered and they figured it out and ultimately came away with a win. Hopefully that's something they can take positively from the week. Uh, That remains to be seen. They haven't done a great job of carrying some of these things over, but, you know, they did enough to win. They got it done. Weirdness and all. They move on. They have to go beat Arizona on the road, which will not be easy. 
Uh, and if they can do that, then they're back at 500. Uh, they're, they're, well, at least made it possible for them to finish the season at least 500 or better. Not where we wanted to be, but it's at least theoretically progress. It is, and you know we'll get to it during the week. But there's you know obviously some fun storylines with this Arizona week. Kyler Murray, Baker, obviously Cliff Kingsbury, um, all that more to come as this you know the week rolls on, and the trip out west. And look, gonna be warm either way, whether the roof's closed or not. So interesting coming up in Arizona. But for Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LLB. Let's go Browns.